Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is back after a couple of weeks off. I'm Motley Fool Chief Investment Officer Scott Phillips and I'm joined by Strawman Managing Director, Founder, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer and all-round good guy, Andrew Page. How are you, mate? I'm very good and welcome back, sir. Thank you. Did you miss me? I, I did. Well, it was, not, it was nice to have a couple of weeks off, um, but, <laughs> but, you know, there was no, there was no, um, no, no, uh, no one to rant at, so I missed that. Yeah, your poor wife. Well, I'm, I, she, she can send me the, the thank you card. <laughs> We're she glad should. to have you back. Mate, the number of people who are referring to you as rant on the mailbag is, is growing exponentially, which makes my little heart warm. Uh, oh, but, I, uh, but, I, but I also understand that there's, there's this good reason for the rant. There's good reason for the rant. Um, <laughs> Because I haven't had the chance to ask in a couple of weeks because I'm very, very forgetful. What's Strawman again? We're a, we're a private online investment club. That surprises and, uh, me no end. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're just, you know, <laughs> we're just trying to get it done, trying to sort of find the uh, some some good investments and pooling our knowledge together and, yeah, hopefully hopefully doing well out of that. Love it, love it. Mate, um, let's let's move on from uh, the self, uh, self-flagellation or self-congratulation, as the case might be, <laughs> to other things. Mate, I've been away for a couple of weeks, as our listeners well know. Um, got some nice feedback on the episodes we did, so thank you for pre-recording them with me. Um, and let's hope you enjoyed some pre-recorded content. We did uh, a little bit on some of the traits of great businesses. If you missed those, do go back and have a listen because they were lots of fun to do. The feedback's been pretty good. I think it's, um, it's just nice to be able to kind of step back from the day-to-day, even the, the month-to-month or year-to-year, not about companies at all, other than as examples of, of what good investing could look like. Although, interestingly enough, as, as you said a couple of times during those episodes, just because businesses tick those boxes doesn't make them great investments. So that's why the, the investing calculus is complicated and, and far more art than science, but, but was fun anyway. Mate, speaking of art and science, though, um, <laughs> the poor old RBA, uh, we got to start with the macro as we, as we always do. Inflation out this week. 5.1% if you don't mind. I was on Triple M Perth during the week. Apparently it was 7.3% WA, which I hadn't realised. Mm. These are extraordinary numbers. I want to also, I don't want to scare our, our audience, but I do want to be honest and, and in doing so possibly scare some people. Those numbers, mate, are, it's 5.1% annualised on the back of 2.1% for the quarter, which if it continues at that level, very quickly becomes six, then seven, then eight percent over the next three quarters as those as those higher prices continue to compound. So it's kind of five point one scary, but far more scary, ironically, even though the number is lower, is the quarterly inflation rate of two percent. Because if you have two percent for four quarters, guess what? That's eight uh, percent, and that's the one that really kind of uh, I won't say freaked me out, but that that's the one that kind of really does hit home. It doesn't get reported widely because it kind of requires a bit of an understanding of how those quarterly numbers grow, roll up to, a, to an annual number. But mm. we could be looking down the barrel of six, seven, eight percent inflation by well, this well, let's, let's add nine months. To this when we're talking in late January twenty twenty three, the CPI could well be six, seven, eight percent. Yeah, yeah, e- easy. Um, so I guess the 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 jury was out there for a little while as to whether some of this stuff was transitory. You know, mm-hmm. some supply chain bottlenecks, some COVID sort of hiccups, a war in Europe. You know, mm-hmm. none of this is good stuff, and not to yep. make light of any of that in any way, shape, or form. But that you yep. know, there would sort of be these sort of transitory spikes, and we'd sort of get get back to more mm-hmm. typical kind of levels. It now looks as though it's actually likely to be far more sort of sustained. And these yeah. are biggest big numbers. These are the biggest numbers we've had in, in 20 years. In fact, the last time it was this big was when the GST was introduced. Mm-hmm. 
um, which which accounted for a big part of the jump there. So it's it's pretty scary, and and it's sort of you know it, well it, it matters for for all of us just when we're out there buying. Paying the bills and the rest of it, but it also matters for us as investors, of course. So higher interest rates typically mean lower lower prices, lower valuations. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone sort of trying to to manage a, a mortgage, there's some very direct impacts that are there. Um, mm-hmm. I thought what was interesting too um, is that when you break it down, so the, the, we can sort of classify the things we spend money on as discretionary and non-discretionary. So one is, you know, I don't need to go on a holiday. I don't need to buy my, the latest iPhone. Right, right. These are discretionary. I can live without them. But was it, what was interesting, and you might be able to give me the exact figure, but the, the bigger part of that that 5.1% was the non-discretionary stuff, the stuff that you can't yeah. live without, the food, the the essentials in life, energy, kind of, yep, energy yep, yep. that kind of stuff. That was 6.3, yep. I want to say, something like that. Uh, I don't uh, – no. So the annual number – I might the quarter number. The annual number for energy was 13.5%. Okay. Which, yeah. you know, as, as part of the 5.1 makes sense. It may have been six for the quarter, mate. You might be well right. I don't know that number off, off the top uh, of my head. Yeah. Overall, yep. for the non-discretionary, yeah. It was, it was something yeah. like – look, let's just call it high – yeah. Um, and now the, <laughs> yes. the, the, the RBA, they, the RBA uses what they call a trimmed mean, and they do that mm-hmm. to sort of to to get a, a bit of a look through some of these more volatile items. Mm-hmm. Some things just move, like pet, pet, energy is classic, right? Um, yep. Oil just moves around a lot, so it, it's not an, it's not a silly thing to do. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we as consumers can't just use a trimmed mean on our <laughs> household <laughs> budget. Right. Like, if petrol's no, up, it's paying- up. I'm yeah. not paying more on petrol because it's not, it's not in the trim mean assessment from the from the uh, ABS. I'm only going to pay you dollar forty a litre. Thanks very much. It's not going to work. I'm just going to ignore that from my calculation. But it's, <laughs> exactly. This is very real, man. And yeah. and this yeah. is it's going to have impact on consumer confidence. That's going to have yeah. impact on all kinds of things. You know, it's often I'm very fond of saying one person's spending mm-hmm. is another person's income. So it, it all yep. sort of bubbles through. I saw an interesting tweet actually on the week uh, the week as well, taking a longer mm-hmm. term uh, mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, uh, economist called Alex Joyner said that over the last 20 years, the costs that we've seen the most in are health, education, and housing, more mm-hmm. than doubling uh, over that period. In, some, in fact, in some cases, yeah. far, far more than that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's real. It's very, very real. These you, you often hear the media talk about, you know, the cost of living pressures and the rest of it. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it gets beaten up, but, but it's real. And uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the old Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. We are, we are in yeah. interesting times. Really interesting, mate. And this is, you know, you talk about the, the impacts on companies. I think it's a really important one, right? Because, so what, what are the impacts? Firstly, as you say, we, we are, because our spending is someone else's income, it's, it's every, almost every ASX business's income. So, you know, yeah. if we have less of it, we can't afford to go and spend it at those places. Um, that That's obviously the first one. It impacts on, on revenues. It impacts on growth rates. Um, as individual investors, by the way, if you were saving five percent of your income and prices are up five percent, well, guess what? <laughs> if you, that 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 you know, you either have to cut back somewhere else, or that investing money, the saving goes away. Yeah. Um, that's a massive number. And again, as that continues to get higher, that's problematic. Again, if you're an investor with a mortgage, they're going to pay more on that probably next week, if not the the month after. So. You know, it takes out both ways. And plenty of people have asked me over the last couple of days, uh, so hang on, how, how come we're solving high prices by putting up prices on mortgages? 
<laughs> it's, it's a really real question, right? The starting point of like, it actually honestly makes no sense, except that I think as we said a couple of weeks ago, often the cure for inflation is inflation. The, the cure for higher prices is higher prices because the fact they go up does constrain spending and it has its own handbrake impact on the economy. The RBA is hoping to use interest rates to kind of usher that along without things getting super out of control. Um, we've seen massive inflation in Venezuela and Russia in the past and Africa and, of course, 1930s Germany. Um, we're not, you know, it, it's it's been there, done that. Uh, we know how bad it can be. It's why the RBA must do something. Um, but they're choosing between two bad options right now and... and you know, there is, there, is no, there is no good outcome. There are terrible outcomes and less terrible outcomes and that's what the RBA is trying to navigate now is they didn't cause inflation. They, they maybe could have stopped it had they gone earlier or at least reduced it, but they couldn't have got rid of it altogether. Their job is to say, okay, well, this is the world we're in. How do we best navigate it to minimise the pain and the long-term ramifications for the economy? Um, as you yeah. say, companies that – the other thing you did mention, companies have a lot of debt – are going to pay a lot more for that debt even mm -hmm. when rates continue to rise. Mm -hmm. So that's a really important one. If you own businesses that have a lot of debt, uh, be, be mindful of that. Asset prices themselves. Think about property owners too. If you're a real estate investment trust, they use interest rates as part of the calculation of the asset values of those properties. And when rates go up, cap asset rates. values come Is down. Cap cool? rates. Mm -hmm. Capitalization, that's short for. Uh, yes, they, as they... As they change, um, that will bring down property values re very reasonably, very normally, because it's the same as use of share prices. Um, so, you know, but there will be issues and, and they'll reflect some of that in losses on their P&L as those revaluation losses, as they call them, hit mm. the numbers. So um, we probably should spend a little bit of time at some point, mate, going through some of this stuff just to kind of do a bit of a, maybe do the inflation or the interest rate show, um, spend half an episode at some point, just going through some of those bit by bit to explain them and, and explain them, uh, yeah. explain the detail. And see how that all, all nets out. It is, I, I, you know, what, my, one of my least favorite phrases. People say, "Oh, it's a stock pickers market." I'm saying, "Well, it's always a stock pickers market, you knuckleheads." But, 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 there are circumstances at a macro level that do impact on individual companies very differently. Sure. And when those things don't come to play for the last twenty years, you can almost, you could have ignored interest rates in terms of your your investment criteria. You didn't have to worry about it. It just it wasn't an issue. Um, the amount of debt was still an issue, I guess, to some degree. If, if earnings fell away. But interest costs have been going down or been flat for 20 years. So, mm. the, you know, the, the differential impact on businesses, the, the winners and losers weren't as, uh, as what's the right word? I want to sound dramatic. But, you know, there, there weren't as, there wasn't such a great range of outcomes based on those single macro factors as there is on insurance this time around, I think. So if you're a new investor or if you're even an experienced investor but you haven't kind of thought this through for a while, a really good time to stop and say, hey, this is going to have an impact in five or six different ways we've just gone through. And it really, really does behove you to understand what those impacts are. One of the winners could be banks. Uh, if rates do go up and they get wider margins, it tends to be the case that banks have wider profit margins when rates are higher. So maybe they win out of this. That's one of the potential upsides. Um, not many other inflation upsides, mate, to my, to my mind. Can you think of any other businesses or, or types of businesses that stand to benefit from, from rising prices? Uh, not really. I mean, there is, if you've got a, a, a huge cash balance, yeah, true, that, true. That helps. Um, not many companies are in, in that kind of situation. Insurance, insurance companies. Yeah, insurance should do okay. Have a big business, business like Computer Share carry a bit of float too. Um, they could they could do okay. Companies that take a lot of payments in advance and then, and then send the money out. Uh, Computer Share has carried for short periods of time uh, cash balances, but those cash balances tend to be reasonably consistent. They'll earn mm. a bit on that. Um, not going to change the move the dial on that one, but that should be a nice little benefit to them if it does happen. Well, it's got to be careful, right? Because yes, so if you if it was all the money was sitting in cash and mm -hmm. then interest rates went up, 
mm-hmm. and then you bought a bunch of bonds, then great. <laughs> if you're holding a bunch of bonds. Yeah, if you already own them, that's right. Which they do, the insurers, yeah. and most of their money yeah. gets insured. In, in, and then, well, for rates to go up, yes. uh, coupon rates on bonds, well, that means that the share, the, the value, the, the face value of that bond mm-hmm. has fallen. So you might yeah. have a notionally higher rate, but you've just, your bond portfolio is now down quite a bit mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, yes, going forward, there's a, there's a higher income mm-hmm. component. So look, it's, I, I, think, I think what you're saying is all very interesting and correct. Although one thing I would there's caution- <laughs> There's a but. There's a but. And I think we, we often, too often we do this as investors. Something happens mm-hmm. and we go, all right, how do I react to that? And I would sort of say, well, it's kind of like it's too late in a lot of ways. Like I think the, the people who are hurting the most now, and I'll put my hand up a little bit here too, mm-hmm. are th- those that probably expected that this would never come. Now, I'm not saying yeah. that anyone should have been able to forecast the timing, the magnitude, because that's a mugs game and mm-hmm. no one in history mm-hmm. has ever been able to do that consistently. Yeah. So, And those yeah. that do get lucky, it's the broken clock who gets it right occasionally. Um, but- but the, the, those that have taken highly leveraged positions in e- extreme growth companies with with you know expectations for perfection going out for the next t- couple of years, it's sort of like, well, you know, it's yep. what do you do now? It's sort of like we well, what you sh- what you do now. Well, what you should have done is is yeah, been, right. is, is layer in some margins yeah. of safety and some caution here. It's it's going. You watch when mm-hmm. when interest rates go up, we'll start seeing more and more news stories of of yeah. some poor bugger. Who's been leveraged up to the eyeball? The banks calling in, you know, forcing him to sell his property, and it's it's mm. tragic kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like, well, mate, what did you think, right? Like, yeah. you, yeah. We, 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 I think when you invest, what you do is you you recognize that you can't predict the future. You recognize that nasty shocks are going to come along. The golden rule of investing, for my mind, is to stay invested. Mm. You know, is to stay in the game because we all know what the long term story. Yeah, exactly. Like. So that's your number one goal is to stay invested. And those Mm -hmm. that get, we're all going to, we're all going to cop horrible paper losses from time to time. And that sucks, but it's unavoidable. The person who really loses though, who's got no choice, but to sort of be a forced seller and sell out. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, you know, I I think it's, it's, it's about when times, you know, be, be fearful when, when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful to throw in the first Warren Buffett quote of the episode. Um, <laughs> I, I feel as though what the potential risk is now for a lot of people, yeah. particularly if you have had a very strong growth bias, is you would have seen some, and we're, we're actually looking for the growth. We're in a bear market for anyone who's been a growth investor. The, the index there yeah, is down right. something like 25% or so. They go, mm-hmm. oh, gosh. I'm going to go all into to value and defensive. And it probably exactly the wrong sort of time. So again, I'm not going to try and work out that the timings and stuff are here, but I just want to urge people that what we need to be doing at all points, even in, in fact, especially when times are really good, is just yeah. to allow for the inevitability of these kinds of scenarios. Mm. And, and sometimes, you know, to, to move entirely to cash or to move to entirely to defensive position, positions after one of the biggest falls we've sort of had in a long time is kind of too late, you know? Mm, so mm. just, <laughs> I don't know. What, what am I trying to say here? Help it's, me out. No, no, you're right, man. Do you get what, think, do you get where I'm coming from? No, I do. I absolutely do. I, I'm, all, I'm always a little bit more, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little more forgiving of those people who make those mistakes for, for the most part. Because I think you and I have a level of financial literacy and experience that many people don't have. And if I think about family and friends of mine who just don't have that, who think the bank manager said I could borrow this much, so I just assumed that that was okay. Um, to us, it seems negligent to the point of almost laughable. Why did you not think that could go up? And 
And it seems so ridiculous. For people listening, they're like, why would you feel sorry for people who didn't know that was happening? I think that's the reality. I, I, my anger is more directed at the banks and the lenders. Just, just right, no, to totally. I'm agreeing with that. that. And that's exactly I, the point. Yeah, 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 I agree. And, and that's, but there, now there are some investors who should know better who've got 85 different properties because they made some stupid bet willingly. I like, I have, I have very little sympathy for that. I mean, I feel, I feel sorry for them on a personal level. I'm, I'm not a monster, um, but kind of like yeah, they made their own bed, you know. Um, but there are other people who, who, and this is, you know, what really gets me, and, and this is gets back to housing policy. We don't go too far into this one, but. Um, you know, people who waited and waited and waited to get on the property ladder finally gave up because they saw prices God, accelerating away from them. You do. Mm. Um, but, you know, but they, they kind of went, no, the prices are expensive. I'll, wait, I'll rent. And then price go up 10%. I'll rent. Price go up 15%. I'll rent. Price go up 20%. It's like, mm. I can't afford to wait anymore. Like, I, if the mm. price can be up, I'm staffed. I, I, you know, my deposits, you know, shrinking as a, as a proportion of the price. I'm mm. finally going to have to bite the bullet because I just can't wait anymore. And they're the ones who got, you know, the ones who bought six months ago who are now going to face a situation where house prices are probably going to stabilise, maybe fall, rates are going to go up so their repayments get worse. And look around going, I thought I did the right thing and I, I finally caved because I felt like I had no choice. And, you know, did they maybe, all that kind of stuff. And again, I, you know, you and I have no, had, would have no excuse for not knowing better. Um, but plenty of people who just aren't, in our, you know, they're, they're teachers and, and doctors and nurses and fires oh, and and whatever. It, it's, it's, it's tragic, although I just yeah. feel as though it, imagine imagine... I don't know, today, tonight, doing a story on <laughs> someone who is equally in a terrible financial situation because they aped into Dogecoin. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or totally. some speculative biotech. There's no sympathy there. Like, as yeah, a society, yeah. we yeah, laugh yeah, at these yeah. people and go, like, you idiot, yeah. you borrowed all your money and you put it into dodgybrothers.com on the stock exchange. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just, I just feel as though there is, when it comes to, there is something really emotive about property mm. where we mm. treat mm. it differently. I'm not talking about. I think we, I think we should. And it is different though, if right? it's a place to live. Right. But I'm talking about that, the people yes, who have um, eight different oh, okay, investment okay. properties, right? So yeah, this agree, is. Agree. You know, I I hear exactly what you're saying, and I feel great yeah. sympathy for them, and I blame the yeah. the system <laughs> probably more than anything, you know, because <laughs> yeah. and they'll be bailed out. You know, the banks will yeah. be just yeah. fine. Thank you very much. You know, mm, their million dollar mm. salaries will be will be not impacted at all. Um, so there's this mm. horrible moral hazards and stuff at play, and it's not yeah, right to laugh and point fingers. Although, just I just want to make the point that there is that that, that our attitudes are very different towards those people and those horrible mm. situations mm. towards other people who have made other bad financial decisions. Yep. But it's been outside of property where we kind of think, oh, well, that was on you. You did something mm. silly. Mm. When you or I as share guys would say, well, was it really silly to buy some shares? Mm. I mean, the the, intent, the the execution might have been flawed, but the intention was right. Um, look, it's, I, it's not a big point. I just a subtle point that I, I think sometimes needs to be needs to be made here. No, I think it's I think it's a good one, mate. I think it's a good one. Look, so interest rates are going to go up. Um, I would speculate wildly without making a prediction because it's not very useful. That I think we'll probably end up with three quarters of a percent at least by this time next year. I think once mm-hmm. they RBA really really goes once once they so the postman right postman always knocks twice. The RBA always raises twice at least. Um, probable at May or June go up by a quarter, maybe another quarter soon after that. Would, Some people are talking about a half in, in the next move. You know? Yeah, 0.4 maybe to take it to half. Is, is a, yeah. well, I've heard that as well. Um, but I think it's probable that things are going to go up by three quarters of a percent at least in the next 12 months. Just a straight out guess, but but that's probably not an unreasonable one. Um, a reminder, if you are in that situation, go and speak to your bank manager. This is just a, a personal plea from me to you. Go and speak to your bank manager now. Um, if you can't pay a higher rate, it's going to cause you meaningful financial stress. Firstly, 
get a better rate if you can get it. But secondly, if you can't, it's going to cause you grief. Go and talk to somebody now. Go and see a financial counsellor. Go and speak to your bank manager and say, mate, when this happens, I'm going to be in all sorts of strife. What can we do? What can you help me with? The answer might be nothing, but you've got time to sell your place before you end up being a fire sale. And trust me, as ugly as that is, it's worse than having a mortgagee sale where the bank will take any price and give you whatever crumbs are left over or you're left with a, a debt even after that if they don't sell it for enough. Um, so yeah, if you look, if you're in that position, I said mostly, I hope most people aren't, but if you are in that position, go now and do what you, know, you can do. Give yourself some time while the bank manager is feeling comfortable and they're not being rushed with others. Um, the old line in the stock market, if you're going to panic, panic early. Um, if you're going to have to sell at some point, you're going to have to find a way through this go and get some help. The other thing is there's plenty of financial counsellors out there, not-for-profits. Don't go to one of those roll-up debt firms that are going to charge you a fortune. No. Go to a not-for-profit uh, financial yeah. counsellor. There's normally, normally free or super cheap. Um, get them to help, help, have a look at your finances and help you out. Um, it's ugly. You don't you tempt you to stick your head in the sand. I don't want to believe it's true. Maybe if I just wait, it'll sort itself out. I get that. But please, 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 even if you – they might say, actually, no, you're fine. But if you're thinking you might be worried, please take action now rather than waiting. It'll, um, it'll save you, I promise. Mm. Mate, um, speaking of speaking of financial advice, I, I wanted to talk about this one because this is interesting on a couple of different levels. There's, we talked a couple of weeks ago. You had a slight rant uh, about ASIC's uh, view on on financial advisor licensing and, and who can say what, finfluencers and all that kind of stuff on TikTok and Instagram and all those platforms. I'm not on. Uh, you're not on either. Um, but there is some talk that there's now going to be a shortage of financial advisors. And I wanted your thoughts on this one, mate. This is a policy question, but it does go to what our listeners are uh, are thinking about and doing. I tried to get some advice a while ago on the structure, family trust, investment company, personal name, all that kind of stuff. And the advisor said, look, I can't do it. Uh, I can't. I can't help you with that answer without without doing the full financial statement of advice because you're asking for personal advice. I'm like, fair enough. And he said, and I've talked to two or three of them, and I can't do that for less than three grand. And I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, that's for for a single question to be answered. Now, I, you know, I could pay the three grand. I may still do that. Uh, I may try and find another way. I may try and work it out myself. I understand the, the details, so it's not a difficult one to try and get through. But that's where I find myself. I don't need advice on picking stocks. I don't need advice on structure in terms of my portfolio construction. If you're someone with a small amount of money trying to grow your wealth over time, paying three grand as an upfront fee for a statement of advice from a financial advisor, not only is it a very large amount of money, it's you know, you buy a used car for that, but as a proportion of assets, if you have 20, 30, 50, 70 grand, um, you know, you're giving up a year's return or half a year's return. Mm. Um I don't know what the solution is, mate. I, we, I was a big, big, big fan of the future of financial advice reforms, making sure that best interest duty applies, making sure that financial advisors weren't taking commissions and kickbacks. Those things are absolutely the right thing. It seems in the event, though, that plus education requirements, plus testing and everything else has actually meant some advisors have gone too hard, not making enough money, don't want to, can't do it. Or frankly, I was dodgy, so I'm getting out. Let's be honest, some are doing that. Yep. Um, but what's left seems insufficient and too expensive what does the average punter do, mate? What, is, what does a listener do when they're saying, well, what do I do? Do I go and just have to pony up the three grand and hope it's good advice? Do I mm. do it myself and hope I'm okay? Mm. Um, influencers can be wonderful or absolutely terrible. There's so many out there. Uh, I know you're a fan of some cryptocurrencies. We won't talk about that specifically, but plenty of crappy crypto advice being thrown around. Tons not of because of, not because of what they say necessarily, or you know. Well, often because like exactly what they say. Yeah. Well, there is that too. Yes, but you know what I mean. I'm not, I'm not saying that you know that all crypto advice is bad advice. Just that there are going to be good and bad, and it's unregulated. Just more more bad than good, I would say. Yeah, right. 
Yep. What happens, mate? What do you do? What, what, yeah. Is, it a, is there a problem? Is there a solution? <sighs> what does the average person do? So the first thing I would say is actually three grand, even for someone with a relatively small sum mm. of money, is actually extremely well spent if, and this is the, you know, as you say, the, the, the biggest, shortest word in English, um, <laughs> it's good advice. Because like any, whether you're a, a surgeon, whether you're a brickie, whatever, whatever your profession, there are, there are some just absolute, you know, geniuses at their trade. And yeah. then there's a lot of very ordinary people, whatever, whatever, you know, whether you're a teacher, True. a nurse, yeah, yeah. a yep. financial advisor, whatever. Yep. And this is the hard thing. You don't know beforehand because it's not something that yeah. you buy every month and you get to work out, oh, this this uh, girl's really good or this guy's really bad or whatever mm. it is. You kind of, mm. they look okay, I'll go with them. And so th- this good is what's point. hard. So on one hand, I kind of would say if, if you were to get some extremely uh, competent, quality, ethical advice, I think it's, it's money well spent. Just do mm. it. Mm. But you don't know. And that, that's what makes it super, super, super hard. Yeah. Um, and there's and and you know by the same token, it could be the worst money you ever spend if you just get some really terrible advice. And there's lots of that that's sort of out there. I think the eighty twenty mm-hmm. rule applies for a lot of things in in life, and I, I certainly mm-hmm. think that's that's probably the case here. Um, this is the shame about the influencers as well, because there is so the internet has just democratized information. There is so mm-hmm. much great quality information that is that is out there. Mm. And in our in our, our rush to sort of cover everything with cotton wool, we've kind of we're dampening down on that. Yes, there's bad actors out there, but unfortunately, there's a lot of really really good quality people that are too scared to sort of say anything anymore, but because of you know the, this potentially overly heavy handed approach. So I don't I don't know what the answer is. I honestly mm. don't. I think a good part of it would be with a lot of things in life is to back yourself. I, too often. A lot of industries do this, but our industry is is expert at it. <laughs> is to make you think little precious, you know. Let uh, let mm. didums. Let us <laughs> let us do it for you. It's too complicated for you to yeah. understand. It's not. None of this is. Yeah. It might be boring as 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 the proverbial bat poo. Um, or it might be a little <laughs> bit esoteric in 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 some spaces. But you'd be surprised what uh, a little bit of googling and reading and podcasting and YouTubing mm. and mm. all of that kind of stuff will. You yep. can inform yourself to a very, yep. very high degree. You may still end up needing some some advice. I'll use you as an example here. So you've just sort of said, okay, I'm fine with the stock picking portfolio management, but mm-hmm. some of the structuring stuff I need some mm-hmm. help with. You're probably in a much better position than a lot of people to sort of judge the merits of potential people that you engage by virtue of, of your experience. So, so I would the first thing I would do is, is try and educate myself. Just, just, just consume a lot, a lot of information. You might still need that expert advice, but you'll be in a better position to 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 judge the quality of the of that potential advice. Um, weigh, weigh it up against what you're reading or seeing or hearing elsewhere. That's why I'm sanity checking it. Yeah, I mean, I've often given the comparison. I honestly think it's just none of the, the big stuff when it comes to personal finance is just super easy. Mm. <laughs> don't yeah, don't take on a bunch of debt. You know, don't spend more than you earn. Um, don't invest, invest in highly speculative. Yep. You know, it's, it's, yep. it's, I, I compare it with dieting all the time. Yeah, yeah. you can go the yeah. full high, hardcore, only eat chicken breast and do all the, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you can just try and maybe move around a little bit each day and cut a bit of sugar and fat out of you. I mean, it's not, it's not that, it's not rocket science. And it's certainly the case in our industry as well. Um, and I really think that when you get when you're getting to the pointy edge of what's better, do I have a, some kind of corporate structure or trust? By the time you're getting to that stage, you're kind of just 
you're fiddling at the edges. The the bigger right. stuff is yeah. far 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 more important. Yeah. So um, and I always I, I always I always like to t- another another thing a lens that's good to look through. We are we are predisposed for whatever reason to always try and look at the positives of this. You know, what if I do this? What can I get? What's what? <laughs> I, I always think start yeah, yeah. Inv- do the Charlie Munger. He'll say invert always invert. And mm-hmm. I think a good thing to always do is what can go wrong in any situation? What is the downside? Approach it from that angle and you'll quickly work out that there are some that have far bigger downsides than others and just avoid <laughs> those kinds of things. Yeah. I'm rambling again. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's, it's really good advice. I should say, by the way, for anyone who's wondering, uh, neither Andrew nor I nor our businesses provide personal financial advice. So when we're saying, hey, go, you know, spend the money, it's money well spent, we're not feathering anyone's nest. Um, and there are some terrible and, and great advisors out there. So for, for what it's worth, um, there's no, there's, you know, we're not, we're not benefiting care, no from saying that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but what it means, we're not, we're not benefiting from, we're not saying do it because we have financial businesses that we're trying to get you to come and use or, nah. or even, you know, we have anyone any interest in the, in the sector. I'm, I'm, I'm largely persona non grata through much of the sector because I've, I've been very clear that a lot of our sector is horrible and, and uh, taking money from people. So I, I owe no one any favours, nor do they expect them. Uh, so it's, it's, just worth, it's just worth pointing out the fact that, you know, yep, Get, get the advice if it's worthwhile. If it helps you stay on the straight and narrow, then get it. Go for an initial free consultation, by the way. And if someone give you an initial free consultation, don't go and see them. Uh, any, any, any decent advisor, half their site, will at least come and see you, get a chance to have a chat, and then we'll let you have the opportunity to pay for some advice if, if that's what you want. So mm. it's worth thinking about. I... Um, I do think, mate, structurally we need to solve for the problem. We're not going to do it in this podcast, um, but there should be it should be possible for the average person to get affordable, basic financial advice that helps them answer some of those questions you've just talked about. And yes, it's probably available if you can sift through it all, uh, but to be able to go to a licensed advisor and get some decent starting point advice for less than a grand should be surely possible in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something structurally wrong with the industry, but um, I'd rather pay up more than go back to the bad old days of horrible conflicts and commissions and kickbacks and just yeah. just shitty products. I'll, excuse my I'll, language. I'll, I'll add to that in the sense that I, I can see where the financials, financial advice is coming from because to really yeah, give you proper totally. advice, they need to understand your personal situation, mm-hmm. which requires yep. a lot more digging and a lot more work. Correct, I get correct. that. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's probably, I'm going to make this up, 10 Different, Probably unique, situ- broadly speaking. Yeah, yeah, correct. It's correct. not as though there's 20 million, whatever, I don't know, how many adults are there in, I don't know, make it up. 18 million adult <laughs> Australians, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. there is not 18 million unique, yeah, to a, to a fine enough degree, we're all special snowflakes that are mm. entirely unique mm. in the universe. But at a broader yeah. level, you know, there's, there, when, on a, on a, <laughs> on a, looking through a financial lens, mm. there's not that many distinctions. I, I, I yeah. wouldn't, be against a independent body to sort of say, hey, look, here's sort of 10 broad buckets. Which one do you fit in? And if you fit in this one, uh, this is probably a really good outline for you to sort of think through. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) how how unique is your financial, unless unless you're doing some really, really zany stuff in the Cayman Islands. And even then, well, let's just create a bucket for that kind of person, right? (laughs) Like, you know, the, the, if, you're, if you're trying to screw the government by hiding some money in the Caymans, here's what you should do. Here's what you should do, right? Like, you, they, they will, make, make I, some I reckon friends with a bloke could, called Bubba at the local penitentiary because you might be there soon. Exactly. But I reckon you could, I reckon you could fit virtually everyone into probably even yeah. less than 10, 10 broad buckets. Yeah, right you know, so, so why, why do we really need to go into yeah. these, these huge details and therefore require all of this kind of work? Yeah. When 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 you can generalise to a very effective degree, 
I think, that, I think that's a really good point. And the the answer, unfortunately, and here's the challenge with financial advice, the answer is that it's in no one's financial interest to do that because if you you know, you know either charge $3,000 or people don't come and see you at all, there isn't much room in between there because if you've done the 10 buckets and it's available from the ASIC or, or, or APRA or somebody, one of the government bodies or some, some independent uh, not-for-profit, it's like then it's done. Well, what do I charge for now? And it's, yeah, it's but a really look, yeah, I, hear, I hear that, but that, I mean it's just, it's just I, I don't. I'm yeah, saying no it, one will do it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And and maybe that's a good thing. Like you know, to yeah, to, to support industries with horrible track records. I completely agree. That we're all sort of acknowledging, in a large degree, probably not offering as much value as they <laughs> purport to. That's right. And then get rid of them. You know. Oh, I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm not saying I'm not saying the government shouldn't do it. What I'm saying is there's no one else incentivized to do it. Yes, for exactly yeah. that reason, right? Why, why why does John Smith Financial Advisor not do this and put it on his website? Well, for the same reason I've Googled relentlessly company investment structures family trust, whatever, whatever. Because if I get the answer there, I'm not going to pay someone three grand for the advice. And so yeah. it, it's a it's a disincentive. And that's why, this is, we're talking about uh, market failures. This is where governments and, and uh, regulators have a role to play to say, hey, we will plug some of those gaps with, you know, a, a bit of a, as you say, mate, if you meet these criteria, here's something you should consider. I can't promise it's going to be right for you, but in most circumstances, here's the sort of advice that would be right for most people. Makes makes a whole lot of it sense. Ma- it makes us such a huge, look again, It's you, you say certain things and you get painted as a commie or something. <laughs> some stupid label at someone because there's no nuance or context in modern debate. But I would say that where there are instances of market failure or yep. there's not like enough commercial uh, incentive to sort of make it make sense in the yep. private sector, it is something that the government should do. And and I would I argue too that the 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 lens that the government should look through with all of its spending, I've always said this, is opportunity, cost and return on investment. Yep. And the return on investment for a, if the government was to dedicate a serious amount of money to setting up something like this, like on one mm-hmm. hand, it's all money out the door and it's our tax mm-hmm. money that's being spent to do it. <laughs> but think yeah. about the return on that in the sense that we now avoid a lot of people ending up in financially destitute situations. Oh, totally. Think oh, about the absolutely. return on, on people being able to look after their own wealth and, and income yep. and, and, and assets in such a superior way that they're far mm-hmm. more set up for life. I mean, the, the, it's for every dollar spent, you'll probably get tenfold back as a society. We should be spending a huge amount of money at it. And if it's yep. not commercially viable to sort of do that because people can't charge you thousands and thousands of dollars for this, <laughs> then boo-hoo, you know. This, yeah, exactly, this is another exactly. great reason why it should be sort of perhaps in the public domain. <laughs> yeah, that's All right. Because right. an advisor can't afford his, his, his brand new BMW M3 because his uh, his clients got the advice on from an ASIC website instead. That's, uh, 100%. that's no, no no tragedy, is it? Yep, yep. Again, so, I should say, by the way, to be clear about what you said, we've got some financial advisors listening. They are not... All, in fact, most of them are really good people. I started off by saying these are the yeah. fresh realities. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That I don't, I don't blame them for not providing advice that is um, uneconomic to provide. But in the circumstance that it can't be provided, people are missing out. That's where government has a role to fill that gap. Yes, which is what you're saying. Yeah. There's I, another I, another problem of the world solved right here on the uh, oh. Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast. You're very welcome, listeners. <laughs> Happening all here in less than an hour. Hopefully, if we're lucky, let's, let's tackle the Middle East next week, shall we? <laughs> we're on a roll. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. I'm not sure where to go next. We've got two topics each of which are interesting and, and very divergent. Let's start with Elon Musk because, you know, why not? It gives us a good headline. I'll put that in the uh, in the title of the podcast episode probably because Elon is It'll get the just, clicks. Oh, yeah. it'll get the clicks. It'll get the eyeballs, the earbuds, the listeners, the whatever you call them these days. Mm-hmm. Um He's buying Twitter, mate. $61 billion. 
My first thought was, I know Elon's rich because of his ownership of Tesla. I didn't imagine he had $61 billion in cash kicking around. Turns out he might be pledging some Twitter share, uh, some Tesla shares to do this deal, plus maybe borrowing some money. Um, so many different ways to, to attack this one. I've, I've said many, many times, mate, I'm no Elon Musk fan as a person. I'm a super fan of what he's done with electrification and EVs and the impact he's having on the world of, of renewables and, uh, and, and different ways of both storing, creating and, uh, and mobilising energy with the, with the cars themselves, with batteries on wheels. Um, I, I wouldn't want him running my company. I don't think he's necessarily uh, covered himself in glory as a public company CEO. In fact, no less than the SEC, uh, the US version of ASIC has said as much. But now he's taking a foray into Twitter. He's already running SpaceX. He's already running Tesla. He's now going to buy Twitter. Uh, I don't even know what question. I'm just going to say, so what the hell? I'll let you talk. <laughs> Man, this has just dominated uh, Twitter, hasn't it? Oh, um, hasn't it? And let me just apologise now if you can hear a whippersnipper oh, in the background. My, <laughs> my neighbour has chosen a great time to go nuts with the gardening. Um, I can't hear it from this end, so fingers crossed. Okay, it's fingers not, crossed. Through the audio. Um, yeah, I, I would say I would say there's there's too much discussion of personality here uh, mm-hmm. for, for for mine. I I would I would I often wonder what it would have been like if we had Twitter, you know, a hundred years ago. You know, Henry Ford was by all accounts not a nice person. <laughs> Isaac Newton no. was a, was you know a pretty crazy <laughs> and very difficult man. Mm-hmm. You know, and sort of like in, and people yeah. always con- like preface everything with Musk about no, I don't know if he's that great a person. He's a bit weird. It's like yeah, he totally is. But I, I think that there's that you know people are multidimensional, and, mm. and I think I think you can hold two opposing thoughts in your head at once. Here is like there's there's one the the, the person that you might or might not like to hang out with mm. on the weekend, and there's the other person <laughs> is sort of the entrepreneur. And and from that second angle, you know, hats off. He's done some mm. really really remarkable things. Can I say, though, I think personality matters this time around. Maybe you were going to say that. But I think it's fine to say, let's talk about Musk the person, let's think about Musk the businessman or Musk the entrepreneur. Mm. There's a very, 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 very long history. You speak of strange people running, uh, owning businesses. There have been some really interesting people who own media assets and use those media assets for good and for ill. Uh, Musk has been really vocal on what he thinks Twitter should be, far outside just the, can I, can I, be an entrepreneur and make some money from owning this business. Mm. Uh, in media, more than anything, I think, and I'm not even saying necessarily you should be stopped or shouldn't have even bought it, just that personalities matter when the, the ability to shape, uh, uh, there's a bloke called Rupert Murdoch who, who some people dislike for his impact on, on media assets around the world. Um, Kerry Packer had a go, Conrad Black had a go. Um, people who own them aren't normally shrinking violets who are happy to say, whatever you think is fine, mm. they're generally going to be reasonably engaged People doesn't personality matter more in media than maybe any other asset, at least from a public interest perspective. Well, the reality of the world says yes. I mean, again, I would sort of I don't want to get back into politics, but I would I would probably <laughs> sure say that if we had better laws and if we were more politically engaged, we could probably solve a few of these problems. But yes, mm. you're right. The world as it stands is 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 unfortunately that way. And so yeah, in that regard, and look, he's all about sort of free speech, and I don't. What I don't, what I find a bit odd about the whole scenario, I'm not sure what he hasn't been able to say that he feels as though he wants to say. <laughs> he's out there, man. He's saying all yeah, kinds of stuff. And like, go yeah, on, yeah. anyone yep, who's yep. been on Twitter or social media knows that there's some pretty <laughs> out there. I mean, there are certain sort of 
laws, whether you're saying it on a street corner or on Twitter or in a newspaper column or on your blog that, you know, there yeah. are defamations yeah. and incites to, incitements to violence and all that. None of that, all of that is sort of still held true. So yeah. I'm not quite sure what problem he's trying to solve here. Mm. Um, and the other thing that's interesting about it, I mean, just my, my initial point was going to be from an entrepreneurial standpoint, mm. he's on an absolute winner with Tesla after some real touch and go moments there. He's a business that's just, just getting it done. I'm just so so in awe of what Tesla has done, and I, I think it's amazing. Um, but now he's going to distract himself with this. He's buying the business <laughs> that I think it's something around seven times sales, and has I really been. Than, I saw. I had more than that. Actually, I had meaningfully more than that. But either way, it's still a remarkable. Oh, maybe price. I got my sums wrong, or I haven't adjusted no, 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 for no, ex- so. exchange rates. But like, let's call it seven, right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. a business that's still unprofitable, yeah, yeah. Um, they they haven't made. That's I right. I don't think they've made Australian billion dollars for a business not making any money and paying seven times sales in the process. That's a it's a long putt. Now he said in an interview, a recent TED interview, that it's not about the financials. And like when you're the world's richest man and got heaps and heaps of money, you can kind of do stuff that is beyond finance. So maybe on that, this is just genuinely a passion project for him. Which uh, is where I think it does matter, though, right? Like that's almost my point is when you say it's not about the money, then it's about the influence. Yeah. That that and that's where the personality of the person involved. And I, you know. I don't, I don't have no love for Musk, and whether it's him or Bezos or, uh, you know, even Jack Dorsey before them who, who ran the business his way because he was the founder. Um, the simple reality is the businesses are, are, you know, media businesses where influence is the point. We, we, we should expect, not, not even can't expect not to, we should expect he will, you know, have his way, uh, put his, push his will onto people to, hey, it's my business, I want to run it this way. As long as I'm not breaking any laws, here's what I want to have happen. Mm. Do, do we not expect that Twitter becomes a, a shadow, a, a, a poor imitation of Musk's own personality? There was a really interesting thread on Twitter. I'm really sorry about this background noise. Can you not oh, hear that? Oh, go for it. No, no, I adjust, but it's all fine. It's all okay. Fine. Apologies if it's coming through more on, on the speakers for those listening at home. Um, the One of the founders of Reddit, another social mm-hmm. platform, mm. I, I think gave the best take of it all and sort of mm. saying that, look, none of us – all of us have sort of these ideals and that. The reality, mm. the, the practicality, the day-to-day of running this and making the judgment on the fly is far more complicated mm. than mm. anyone imagines. So, yes, it's easy to make some broad statements about there's not enough free speech and that there. Well, actually, you start applying that in a practical sense mm. that mm. works within the law, the law in your country and also the law in all the various jurisdictions. And also remember that things happen from time to time that have never happened before. So you kind of got to make it up and make judgments on the fly. Mm. You've got to have algorithms that can sort of think, do some <laughs> yeah, of the thinking right. for yeah, you. Then yeah, you yeah. need humans to check. Now, Musk might have whatever mm. feelings he wants, but he's not there checking every tweet. So he's got to say, you know, this is diabolically hard stuff. And his basic point mm. was from the, from I retweeted it. So if, uh, you'll see it on my thread if, if anyone wants to, to see it. I think I did anyway, or it's in my likes, um, is, is that, you probably won't notice beyond maybe an introduction of an mm. edit button and you're allowing people to verify themselves. Mm. I don't actually think you'll see that bigger difference, mm. right? And and he may be able to sort of rationalise this because he's doing good for humanity and sort of making a more open, transparent <laughs> uh, town square. I actually mm. don't think, and time will tell, but I think when all is said and done, I don't think we'll see a radical departure from what Twitter is today. There might, there'll, be, there'll be some differences. I, I just don't think it'll be as different as everyone is making it out to be. Mm, mm, mm. I think that's right. I think the. I think the. So, so let's go back to the business Im- impact because you know the, it, it you know, matters in interesting and whatever. And, and it's usually uh, they, they say that you know the 
biggest subscription business in the world are Amazon, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter. You know, th- those those are the companies that are that are the public squares of of the world in various ways, or the, the retailers of today. Uh, I own shares in Amazon. Um, is it too much to pay for Twitter? Is there some premium here for the the influence? You know, think about tech stocks. We'll talk about it in a minute, but um, what does that say to you about valuations? About about can can we draw any any lines from this to to investing in general? Mm, yeah. Well, I tell you who the real winner is is Jack Dorsey and <laughs> I forget <laughs> his name, the CEO, who was there for eight months and is going to walk out with thirty nine million dollars. Okay. He'll be okay. Yep. Yeah, that's they're they're the real winners uh, <laughs> out of all of this. But yeah, well, look, again, so again, Musk is not doing it for financial reasons and he's in a position yeah. where it doesn't matter for him. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to make a lot of sense financially. Twitter is, mm-hmm. Twitter, Twitter is, a, is, a, is here to stay, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely got a future and it's definitely got a profitable future, I would say. But I think the lesson probably may be, we look back on this in 10 years, is that mm. the pro- there was a premium paid. Um, was the market that wrong beforehand that he could offer <laughs> such a premium and now after the big yeah. jump up in price that now it's better value? I mean, is, is he, and it, it, just bearing in mind the, my comments from before, is it going to be that radically different where all of a sudden these rivers of gold are just going to start gushing mm. now that he's made it a bit more open and added an edit button and, you know, I, yeah. I don't think so. And, I, I, and again, it doesn't matter to him. Um, what was interesting though from the financial angle is, is that Tesla shares fell. And I think yes, fell for good reason because he's yeah, got exactly. some of the some of the funding is through a margin loan on his mm. Tesla shares. So there's oh, if Tesla yeah. falls a certain degree, he's, he's <laughs> going to be in trouble. And it could happen, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It could absolutely yeah, totally happen. Could happen. And yep. plus, this is a gentleman who is instrumental in Tesla. I mean, he, he, mm-hmm. he attends engineering. He's right on the factory floor, literally. Oh, for, yeah. He's for the, yeah, yeah. And, and he's the business in so many different ways too, oh. by the way. He's the chief designer. He's the chief uh, cheerleader. He, he is absolutely the guy, you know, frankly, people have left Tesla because they didn't get on with him and that's either good or bad and we won't get into that necessarily, as you say earlier, but the reality is Musk is a Tesla, Tesla is Musk for, for better or worse. I'd be, I'd be worried if I was a shareholder in Tesla. No, you know, yeah. I wouldn't I'd be dumping my stock, but it'd be yeah. like, oh, Elon. You Less know, happy than you were otherwise. Yeah, yeah exactly. like, you know, I know you're a massive workaholic mm-hmm. and you're some freak of nature that can, you know, multitask unlike us mere mortals, <laughs> but I would far prefer you to focus yeah. your efforts on, on, on Tesla and SpaceX correct, and these correct. other things rather than like another adding another mm. string to your bow that mm. that is sort of being done for ideological purposes rather than anything else it's it's a distraction yeah. um unfortunately yeah, it's, a good point. it's a good point mate let's go something close to home but also in the takeover field this is push pay it's a business you've talked about before um shares jumped i want to say 23 percent. i think it was mm. on the day the company announced to the asx that it had received an uh, I'll say indicative bid. I think that's the best way we can describe them these days. Um, whole rant about, by the way, the whole you know unconditional. Uh, the, the what are, what's the word they use? Non-binding, the, conditional, oh, indicative. Just I mean, other, I, yeah. other words, you know, whatever yeah, you want it yeah. to be. <laughs> or, or, okay, no responsibility. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That being said, it did receive apparently a bid. Mm. Uh, shares were up by twenty three odd percent. I think that was the number um, from a from a lower price than it had been recently. And I just thought it was worth us chatting about takeovers. We've done it a little bit before, but this is a live one. You own some shares. You own some shares in, in Pushpay. Um, so I, got, I guess I wanted to ask you in, in almost real time, uh, kind of just mm. tell us about 
where the company's been, where it's at. We've talked about it before, so you don't need to go into a whole lot of detail about the business itself. But then the takeover offer comes in, the share price jumps. Just kind of take us through that, that kind of mental process, the, the, the timeline, a little bit of kind of what it means, how you felt, uh, how, how you're thinking about the takeover, just so our listeners can get a sense of, as I said, in, in real time, uh, how these things can be thought about and, and what sort of actions you can take if the circumstances are appropriate. Yeah, uh, it's going to be hard to summarize. So the first thing to acknowledge <laughs> is that I thought it was actually better value at, at much higher prices. So um, I've held it for okay. years and years and I'm actually going to, this point, walk away with a decent return. But I, someone made the comment on Twitter and they were right to do it. I, I, I thought it was better value at higher prices. And the rationale- so, Okay, so hang on, hang on. So let me stop for a sec. So the price was higher- it was better value at higher prices. The share price has then fallen. No, no, no. I, thought, I didn't say it was better value at higher prices. Actually, evidently wasn't better value at higher prices. But when it was, when it was uh, certainly below about two, I sort of thought it was still. I was still happy, happy to hold my shares. I thought there was still upside. And okay, so at two o'clock there were uh, two dollars. Two dollars there was still upside. Yeah, the share price has fallen to I think less than a buck at one point. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then bounced back above cents almost. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And is it still, so it's okay. So before the takeover, share price is 80 cents ish, whatever it is. Are you thinking, man, this is twice, three times as, as good value as it used to be? Did the business change? Just to, just to kind of talk, talk this through. Before the takeover, how were you feeling about push pay? Um, so I had lowered my estimate of value because okay. the, so I'll put it in context here. So there's what the shares have done and then there's there's what the business has done. <laughs> yeah, that's right? right. It's always important to sort of split, yeah. split these two things apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me just get my screen to refresh. I'll give you some actual numbers. So oh, back yeah. in 2018, $88 million and then 2019, $135 million in revenue. So are we talking sales or revenue? Revenue, okay, yep. yep. Sorry, 206 in 2020, okay. 235 last year. They'll be up about 10% on that again this year. From a, so a business- Kicking some serious goals, revenue wise. Oh yeah, it's tripled. They've tripled okay. their sales in the last yeah. three years, mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, they are a profitable business. In, so again, unlike a lot of tech businesses, and, <laughs> they've, and they've got a lot of market share that they could potentially still capture. Nice. Uh, and it's just a lovely economic, like a lot of payments businesses, mm-hmm. just really lovely economics that are there. So the, the so this is a business that was on a twenty percent net margin, net, mm-hmm. you know, after tax, after yeah, co- yeah. after everything. So <laughs> I'm not not only are they making yeah. these revenues going through the roof, but they're making yeah. uh, most of it. They well, twenty percent of it. They they're, they're actually keeping in their pockets after all is said and done. Or we are as shareholders. So it's a phenomenal mm-hmm. business. Okay, so growing strongly, great economics. Uh, 80 cents, you're thinking, man, fill my boots, this thing's great? No, no, no. So what, what had happened was, so then then there was a change of management, then there was some lower reduced guidance mm-hmm. uh, and, okay. and things just fell out. And this is all happening in the context of growth stocks falling out of bed in general, people worried <laughs> yeah. about higher interest rates and the rest of it. Yeah. So it just, just yeah. dropped down. So when that happens, you sort of got to you splash some cold water on your face, look yourself in the mirror and sort of say, what, is the market no, like, wrong or am I wrong, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came to the conclusion that I was wrong previously in the, sense okay. that, in the sense that I still thought the business was a nice business, but I had probably assumed too much growth going forward uh, and I had probably assumed the market multiples would be higher than they were. So a couple of, couple of guesses I made that, that I, I adjusted my opinion on. That being I'm said- I'll stop you there again. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, that being said, it kind of, I still thought, the reason I didn't sell out, and I actually made this comment on Strawman, it's just like, geez, what am I missing here? And people said, well, you probably missed the growth aspect. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's true. But then I said, so then I pull that way back and it's like, yeah, but it's still cheap. Now, look, you're right. It, so that, 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 that meant that at $2, it wasn't a bargain. But at 80 cents, that's different. 
Um, and so, so before we get to that, I want to ask you about. See, I have a real issue, and I'm not. I'm not saying this to be kind to you. I have a real issue with the self-flagellation of I was obviously wrong, mm. because I think, you know, it, it's. It, counterfactuals are never possible, right? In, in some other universe, PayPal continues to do a PayPal. Pushpay continues to go on to, to, to better and better results. And you say, wow, uh, I thought I was wrong for a bit. Then growth picks up again. And this is a $5 stock. And I thought I was wrong for a while. And then I'll, I'll use my own example, right? Domino's. Um, sold out Domino's <coughs> for, for share advisor members way back in whatever. I've talked about it many, many times. Same sort of sales growth was falling for a bit. I went. See, obviously, that that was the peak. We're now getting in, 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 you know, we're now now in slow growth or decline territory. Um, The share price has come down a bit. I should sell now because I was obviously wrong. Growth wasn't going to continue. And then, lo and behold, five years later, you go, idiot. Um, Growth picked up again, and it was fine. And it was, you know, I I have an issue with being with people just saying they're wrong because I think it's here's what I think. Here's what I worry about is it suggests to investors that it was a silly bet to make at the time because it was obviously a mistake. I think there is there is there's difference between in the in the fullness of time circumstances rolled out a certain way, and 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 straight out I made a mistake in my in my you know my guesses right or my assessment. Do you you made the point on Twitter that hey I was still up a lot I still got it I, you know from from the purchase I got it right the growth didn't continue for as long as I thought it might. I mean it is wrong by definition literally in the you know I said X it wasn't X therefore I was wrong that's absolutely true, but I do think investors sometimes are too quick to. Uh, I think it's fine to take your lumps, but if you take your lumps and don't learn the lesson, which is it was still a bet worth making, then you know we can say, well, I'm never going to, I'm never going to pay for growth stocks again because look what happens if I'm wrong. Mm. In your case, you were wrong and you made a lot of money, <laughs> you know, because yeah, growth might have made a lot more. <laughs> well, that's the thing, but, but it was worth. But it was well, you never know, right? So <laughs> let's say takeover doesn't happen in five years' time. Is PayPal a four dollar stock? Maybe. Is it a twenty cent stock? Maybe. Pay. Yeah. Um, sorry, do I say this time? PayPal. PayPal. Again? It's like Afterpay, right? It was taking up $158 a share. People say, oh, was I right? Well, it depends. If you, if you took your, your block shares instead of, your, instead of your, you know, taking the cash, mm. you've lost a fortune. Were you right? You know, was, was, did you get a good price? Kind of. But if you just swapped your shares for block shares that then created, mm. are you still right? Mm. I don't know. Different question. Uh, easy, to, easy to take a point in time and say, this is the end result rather than, you know, maybe it goes back up again. It's very kind of you to say, but I, I feel as though in this instance I was wrong in the, okay. in the sense that, look, people get so hung up on, so hung up on this kind of stuff. And I've, yeah, I don't know how many times you have to repeat it. You pick, I know, you rent, pick whatever you investor you want in the history of the yeah. universe and yeah. you'll find that they make mistakes all the time. So it's just, it's normal, yep. right? So A, and I, I don't say that to sort of make excuses. I mean, I say that so mm-hmm. when you're out there and cutting in the cut and thrust of the markets, you know, go easy on yourself because you are going to be wrong a lot. <laughs> it's a probabilistic yeah. kind of game. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I was wrong because of what the share price has done. I think I was wrong by virtue right. of having evolved my thinking, having the facts changed a little bit, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that my assumptions for growth were just too ambitious. I might be, I might, yeah, okay. maybe in the fullness okay, yeah, of time, nice. it turns out actually no, I was right. But mm-hmm. but and, and and you know what? I'll change my mind again. This is what mm-hmm. you need mm-hmm. to do as an investor. So I look, mm-hmm. I, I I had a certain view. And then I changed my mind and I might change my mind again. Hopefully I will yeah. because those who don't change their mind are doomed to, to abject failure <laughs> because yes. you need to change. You No one's that smart, right? So you need to continually change your mind. But, but, but this, is, this is why I continue to hold is, is mm. because while I pulled back my assumption of value based on a revised estimate of growth, it was still well above the 80 cents mark. So I'm like, okay, it wasn't as good as I thought, but it's still <laughs> And I feel yeah. as though on that regard, I was right because mm-hmm. 
Obviously, some other players unnamed, and there was very enigmatic announcements, and they've got they didn't name the parties that were interested. They, were, they indicated <laughs> there was yep. more than one, yep, but yep. obviously they're looking as they're they're making these takeover overtures because they mm. see value as well. It's like, mm. yeah, okay, maybe it wasn't going to continue <laughs> to sort of grow at, at, at you know twenty percent top line growth, but it's still yep. growing and it's still super ca- you know, it's a gushing cash. It's a decent business. Yep. So, um, so yeah. Long story short, I've actually lightened my load. I took on the op- taken the opportunity to not because I'm trying to play the takeover speculation game, but because mm-hmm. it re- the, the takeover move returned it to a much closer estimate of, of, of fair value. And I still retain a, a, a sizable amount as well. So it's not like, you know, again, there's, it's not black and white, a lot mm-hmm. of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. There's a lot of questions. I don't want to make it about me and I don't want to make it about push pay, but I guess what I, what I want to make it about is the fact that you always have to have this independent view of the market you have to acknowledge that things will happen that you just don't expect. The future mm. is unpredictable. So mm. the, in, in the case of push pay, they came out and said, actually, I know we've been growing at this rate, but going forward, <laughs> it's actually likely to be a lower raise. Like, oh, okay, didn't expect that. Um, yeah. Or sometimes the facts don't change at all, but your interpretation of the facts will change. And that's perfectly good. And that's fine. As long as you're like honest that. with yourself and your objective, I think you need to continually refine your thinking, challenge your thinking. So mm. what straw man's all about, the whole point of it was not to not to give me a platform to tell people what to do. It's to, it's to, <laughs> it's to be challenged on what I think and to show other give other people a platform to, to share what they mm. think and, and hopefully mm. collectively bring something useful out of all of that. Um so, so uh, what's the point? The, the, the point is be an adaptive thinker. The point is recognise the difficulty in what we're all trying to do. Recognise that mm. this is a probabilistic kind of game and recognise that it's not black and white. It's not all in or all out, you know. It was only ever a certain percentage of my portfolio. And even when I say, you say I sold, well, I didn't sell all of it. You, you, this, is the great, this is the great thing about shares, right? The, the liquidity is really nice. If I go investment property and I want a bit of cash, I can't just sell my bathroom. <laughs> uh, with my shares, I can actually sell. I can sell 100 bucks worth. I can true, sell 10,000. I can sell whatever true. I want, yep. you know. Yep, yep. And, and, and that thinking should change. So not only can your thinking change by, by virtue of what the market is doing relative to what your assessment of value is, but you might also just change it in terms of how much exposure you want. Previously, I may have thought, nice. yep, 5% really happy of five, you know, one twentieth of my money exposed to this company. I might still hold it, but maybe I'm more comfortable now with sort of like 2% or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. what the number is off the top of my head, by the way, so I'm making these numbers up. But but you've got a lot of flexibility. It's not all or nothing. It's not black or white. Lots of subjectivity and lots of lots of evolved and changing thinking along the way. Does it sound hard and difficult and emotionally painful? Yep. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> Harsh, but fair. Yeah, it is. I just, I just tell it like it is, right? I, this is this is the problem with our industry, mate. Everyone likes to make out it's just super easy. You know, just do this and you'll make a million dollars. Like, yep, yep. no, it's it's much harder. Not that easy. Exactly, exactly. Well put, mate. I like it, and this is it's one of the challenges. So, push pay now. It's t- received a takeover offer. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Um, I, again, I, I don't, I don't want to. I'm, I'm a bit gun shy now. I don't want to say anything because then someone's going to go, oh, you said this and then it didn't happen. So, you know, do, yep. you do you, listeners. I don't want to tell you what to do. But I would but, say I would say this. Yeah. Um, I'm very mindful of the fact that this is a uh, unconditional, non-binding, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. They've basically yes, done yes. this so they get access to what they call the data room, which means mm-hmm. they get to look at all of the non-public information to decide whether or not yeah. they want to buy it. And often... Uh, 
that happens and they go, oh, no, didn't like that and they walk away. <laughs> right. Let's say they do walk away. What do you think the shares are going to do? They're going to fall back pretty right, much right. to where they were before, maybe even more because they go, well, geez, what did right, they see that right. they didn't like, you know? Um, another alternate uh, reality, um, because there are multiple parties supposedly, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. they go, oh, oh, actually it's much better than we want. And then they, someone lobs a dollar fifty, and then someone says dollar sixty, and then you know, and then before we know it, it's four dollars a shot. I'm going, oh my god, why did I sell? And that for me is a game I don't want to play because I can't. I don't think anyone can play it unless you've got inside information, in which case legally you shouldn't be playing it. So I, I think at this point in time, when this kind of indecisiveness that's part of led to my thinking to reduce my exposure because it now just in the short term becomes speculation on how this takeover is going to play out or not makes sense by virtue of the fact that independent of all of that the shares are now closer not at but Mm. closer to what i thought was reasonable value uh given a bit of a waning conviction i just took the opportunity to reduce that that exposure that's that's kind of in a nutshell where i'm where i'm coming from for someone who's out there listening going, oh, I wonder if I should buy shares. Well, you know, don't do it because you on a speculation of a takeover offer. Only do it if on a very careful, considered analysis of the business, you think, what is it, $1.16 at the moment? You think that represents fair value, whether or not a takeover offer goes through. And that that's, that's a call that people have to make on their own. I like that. Um it's it's a it's a smart thing to reconsider your assessment of value. It's are you tempted? Uh, I'm, here's here's a question for you, mate. When you say I'm going to sell some of my shares or sold some of my shares, um, the the absolutist in me says, well, hang on. Either it's worth the current price or it's not. Mm. And selling some of my shares is kind of having a bob each way because, well, if it's worth more, then keep all your shares. If it's worth less, then sell all your shares. Mm. Uh, selling just some of your shares is like, uh, is, it, is it too clever by half? Is it a psychological trap we're trying to fall, we've fallen no, into here. or a trick we're trying to play on ourselves? Yeah, maybe. By doing it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not having a go at you. I'm, it's just the outright <laughs> question of like, no, that's a good question. you know, thinking about selling just some of something. I, I'd I answer it. sizing in general. I, no, it's an excellent question. And, and I'll, I'll start by saying maybe because I'm not, I don't, I'm not that arrogant to think that I'm immune to all of those traps. In fact, I know I'm very susceptible to them. So that I could well be having a land of myself here and just, just completely I'm kidding, kidding myself. But if I was trying to sort of be objective about it, I would say there's two dimensions to it. It's either good value or it's not. Yes, I hear your point. Um, but the, the other, the other, there's two other things I'd layer on top of it. One is the level of conviction. So as I say, I've got, a, I've got an idea of where fair value lies. And, uh, and that's a big informant of, of what I do. But that conviction around that is not what it once was, right? So lower conviction, even, even if the, the, the disparity between current price and fair value estimate remains attractive, that would inform you to do one thing. You've still got to say, well, there's a hell of a lot of difference between something I see as really, really certain and something that mm, a little less certain on. And the other thing is that... Um, Unfortunately, my capital is limited and there's thousands of yep. other stocks out there. And, and mm-hmm. what I've been doing has partially been informed with there's another uh, couple companies that, I've, that I like more. <laughs> and so, as I said before with the government, it's always a question of return on investment and opportunity cost. Same for mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. Return on investment, okay, on one angle, there's something you do with push pay. Opportunity cost, wait a second, there's something over here that wasn't on my radar six months ago. Now it is. And actually... I think there's better value and I think that I've got higher conviction and I want to put some more money. So I, so I need to free up some money to, to right, take advantage right. of that. 
So I've, I've, I've rambled yet again, but the short answer is, <laughs> one, there's a dimension of conviction, which is not mm. as high as it was, and two, mm. there is another opportunity or two that I want to allocate some capital to. I like the answer. I think it's the right answer. It's it, it again, probably another topic we talk about for half an hour. But asset allocation is so difficult, right? How much do you put against which idea? In a perfect world, you say, "Well, this is my number one idea. It's one I think has best outcome." So I'll put all my money behind it because that's the best upside. Mm. But then you say, "Well, hang on. What if I'm wrong?" And then so how many positions do you have, and how much do you allocate, and then how do you trim as you get closer to what looks like fair value? Uh, how do you add to companies that that seem further away from fair value. It's it's a really, really, I, I don't have the perfect answer. There is no perfect answer, of course. And maybe um, back to your point of financial advice, maybe that, you know, if you're roughly right, that's better than trying to be precisely wrong. It's a, it's a, it's a really, really good question. Yep. I'm, I'm really bad at it, mate. I, I well. We all are. Almost every, almost every show I own is owned by or recommended by a Motley Fool service that I run. Uh, so I'm actually not allowed to trim. Uh, I could officially ask for permission and do something like that, but I, I don't. I don't think it's the right thing to do. But um, so I, I, I've, I've avoided I've avoided the issue entirely by simply not being allowed to work wise. But it's a really good question, right? Is what do you do and when and how do you how do you think about making those decisions? Because um, you know, as you say, if there's if, if a dollar's worth more somewhere else, then the whole dollar should go there. Um, but that's in a perfect world where there's no chance of mistakes and where we don't have to allow for. And as you say, starting with what can go wrong. And am I suitably diversified? Do I have enough in different places to justify where I'm sitting? That's probably the, the right approach to take. Can I, can I, I'll leave people with something a little bit more practical that you can grasp a little oh, nice. firmer is an, again, <laughs> what I just rambled about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Scott, I, Scott's given no value at all, so I'm going to try and add some <laughs> No, I meant myself. No. Because <laughs> this is it. It's always but a bit, God, you know, we love certainty in this game. You know, do mm. this. You know, it's why Jim Cramer in the US is so popular because he just lacks any subtlety and nuance. It's got to do this. There's a big sound effect that goes with it. Um, so, but yeah, it's not, it's not that easy. But I think a wonderful exercise is, and I've said it before, and it just it guides my thinking so much is that I just and look I'm, I'm battered and bruised like a lot of growth investors out there at the moment I'm happy to not happy to admit but I'm, I'm, I'm able to admit that the last six months have not been kind to me with my portfolio and so you, you do you do a lot of soul searching when that happens on one hand you're trying to balance up two opposing ideas one being hey I'm a long term investor it's volatile it happens get over it the other is am I wrong what have I done am I making a mistake mm. And it's very yep, sort of yep, hard yep. to reconcile that. And the way that I try to reconcile that is that I just I, I look at the value of my portfolio. I'm going to make up numbers because I don't want to reveal that I've got a $32 billion portfolio. Um, is <laughs> I don't have a $32 billion portfolio. Um, uh, 35 it, now, well done. <laughs> let's say just to keep the numbers around, I've got 100 grand in my portfolio, All right. right? Now, it could have been 300 grand last month. It could have been 50 grand. 32 doesn't million. Matter. Was the case doesn't point. matter. It could be $22.4 billion. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's absolutely, except for having to work out your taxes, it's totally irrelevant. What matters today, and I, I live in the present, I can't travel back in time, I can't travel forward in time, I live right now, I have $100,000 at my disposal. And the exercise that I ask myself is if I blinked in, now I can press a few buttons and that's all cash. That is cash mm, mm, within, mm. The, within the space of about the three minutes it takes me to, to plug in the various sell orders and hit execute. Mm, mm. Um, so, so my question is, if I blinked into existence today, <laughs> someone else had been driving my body around and making my decisions for me for the last however long, mm. um, what would I do with that money? Now I can leave it exactly as it is 
Uh, I can sell the lot mm. and go put it on a poker table. I can go, you know, buy a Maserati and, and waste it that way. Do whatever I want. Um, but but it, well, probably what I want to do is is look at the best way that I can allocate that. So I look at all the opportunities. What are the companies that I like? How do they stack up relative to the value that I see in them? How do they stack up relative to the conviction yeah, yeah. that I see in them? And which ones do I want to take off the bench and put on onto the playing field? And in and in what proportion? You know, this is the other great thing about shares is that it doesn't have to be even. I, mm-hmm. I might say, look, I really like this company. 15% of my money is going there because mm-hmm. I just love it. Such screaming value, such high conviction, such amazing quality. It just deserves that, right? Yeah. And there'll be something else that's like, I still like it. I think it's really interesting. Got a lot of upside. You know, but maybe that's a three percent. It's my whole. I don't want to get into it, but this is this is my whole argument with Bitcoin. You know, because again, everyone's so absolutist. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's not it's not in the same ballpark as some of my other core holdings. Yeah. But you can, and and again, I'm not getting into that. But my point <laughs> is, there is a hundred grand there that I can allocate however yeah. I like. Yeah. And so and so so look at it with fresh eyes. Don't so the two two big bi- psychological biases mm-hmm. we all suffer mm-hmm. from, and we repeat ourselves here a lot, but for good reason. No. Anchoring. And the endowment effect, <laughs> yep. huge, huge problems. Yep. Um, and 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 if look, if after doing that analysis, it turns out that you'd ideally like twelve percent in this company, and you've you've actually got you know ten point nine. You know, there's some differences that are just not Close meaningful enough. and material. Yeah. Yep. But if it turns out that if I was to start fresh, I wouldn't even hold that share. Yes. Yes. Well, then that tells me something. Or Maybe it's more subtle than that. Maybe it's like, I still like that company. I do. It just turns out that this other thing over here, mm, I really like that much, 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 much more. And if I keep my money in this one, well, it, by definition, it's not in that one. And which which horse do I, you know, as the as the horses are running around the track, you, you can pick your jockey up, up and pop them on different horses as you go. That's yeah. the other great thing about shares, right? You don't, you don't have to just like set and then, all right, we'll just see where fate takes me here. Mm-hmm. I, I, can, mm-hmm. I can change horses halfway through. Um, so anyway, again, I'm, I'm laboring the point and they've whipped this horse into a bloody <laughs> pile of bones and flesh on the ground. But hopefully that, that helps in the thinking. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. I, there's, a, there's a great line which I'll butcher, but it's something like, if you're in a boat that's leaking, uh, energy is better spent changing boats than bailing the boat out. Right, and it's kind of like I've done a horrible job of it. I'll, I'll find the actual quote somewhere at some point. Uh, but that idea of, as you say, rather than sitting there going, "Oh, it's terrible." Well, I guess I'll just bail and bail and bail and bail. It's like, well, there's a boat over there that's not leaking. Let's just change boats. It makes a it makes yeah. a whole lot more sense. Mate, yep. uh, thank you for joining me for our first post-holiday podcast. Will you come back on Sunday? You know it. Awesome. In the meantime, if you do want to follow Ram, you should on social media. He is exclusively on Elon Musk's new baby Twitter. You can follow him at the Elon uh, Machine on uh, at sage underscore Simeon or at strawman invest. Uh, I line Elon Musk's pockets at at TMF Scott P and that's the same on Instagram. The Motley Fool is an Insta and Twitter at the same handle at The Motley Fool AU. We're on Facebook at The Motley Fool Australia and you can get me Scott Phillips money. Send us an email info at fool.com.au and my last request after you've done all those things is please rate us on the podcast machine you are listening to now. Uh, iTunes is the best one if you are using iTunes. We'd very much appreciate five stars and some kind words. Don't have to lie. If you don't like us, don't tell anybody. If you do like us, please tell everybody uh, because that's how people Keep find. It to yourself exactly. if you don't like it. That's right. Stop listening. What are you doing? We're not wasting your time. Uh, but if you are enjoying the podcast, uh, please do jump onto iTunes. Give us a rating. Ideally, five stars would be wonderful. Some kind words so other listeners can find some goodness from Andrew and myself. But until then, until Sunday, full on. Full on. 
The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.